Well, welcome church. I'm now legit, so you can listen to what I have to say. I can hear all your laughter everywhere over that joke. It's great. You know, I can feel the buzz in the air and and the excitement as we are coming towards the end of our fast. We have one week to go, and uh, I know you're all excited to tuck into some delicious foods or whatever it is. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm actually really excited too. I know over this fast period, I've uh, lost some weight. And so I know you're, you're noticing that. I'm probably, my phone's probably right now just getting flooded with messages saying how good I look. And that's great. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, more importantly, I hope spiritually, perhaps I've lost some weight uh, or, or, or gained some muscle or something. I don't know. Uh, but over this, this time of the fast, I've actually been quite challenged to not just think about what I'm giving up. Because I know that uh, during a fast time and um, you know, over the last couple of weeks and over the next week, it's really easy to just think about what am I going without? What, what am I not having or, or getting rid of? And uh, instead, we, we can lose sight of, of the fact that we're actually gaining something as well. And so over this fast period, I've, I've really been trying to think about, you know, not just what am I giving up, but how am I going deep? Or not, not just what am I giving up, but what am I actually gaining as well? So I just wanted to encourage you to be thinking about that. And uh, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about that too. And so this morning, I just wanted to speak to you about prayer. Because over this time, I've been thinking, what does my prayer life look like? And what should my prayer life look like? So I've been thinking a lot, a lot like that, a lot about that. And, uh, you know, I... I Thinking about that, I think, you know, where did I learn how to pray? I think we all learn how to pray somewhere, right? I guess my earliest memories are probably, uh, you know, mum and dad tucking me into bed at night and praying for me that I wouldn't have any bad dreams, have a good night's sleep. Uh, You know, also uh, at the dinner table, you know, us as a family, we all hold hands and we pray, we say grace together and then we eat. Uh, I remember when uh, Charlie had just joined our family and she was just kind of, you know, just beginning to understand what grace was about, right? So she'd come to the table and to start off with, she, you know, she would just eat whenever. And, and soon she, she began to realize, okay, we all hold hands and we have to wait until dad says amen. And then we get to dig into our food. So we'd all sit there and we'd hold hands and we'd pray and, you know, Lord, thank you for this food and et cetera, et cetera. And, and amen. And we'd all go amen and we'd, we'd dig into our food. But Charlie, she would sit there. Sorry to call you out, Charlie. She'd sit there holding hands, and she'd be kind of peeking out one eye, waiting to see when everyone was finished and, amen, amen. And she, it was like a ready, set, go, you know. <laughs> and, you know, wherever you learn how to pray, we learn how to pray somewhere, and it becomes our normal. That, that is generally how we will also pray, is how we've seen others pray as well. And uh, so I've been thinking about that. And one of the challenging things about that is that we can actually get in such a rhythm or a formula for what we pray that we actually don't think about engaging with God when we pray. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 to 9 is actually a really challenging verse about this. It says this, this is Jesus speaking, he's quoting Isaiah. This people honours me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You know, it made me think about whether when I pray, am I just honouring God with my words? Or when I pray, am I actually drawing near to Him? Does my heart actually draw near to Him? So this morning, I just wanted to talk about prayer. And I want to talk about three things that prayer reveals in us 
or to us. And three things that uh, prayer brings to us as well as we focus on going deep. So luckily for us, Jesus has a fantastic teaching on this. I know Jesus always coming up clutch for us. And uh, he, ta- he teaches about, you know, what has been known today as the Lord's Prayer. So that's in Matthew chapter 6. It's also in Luke. We're just going to look at the Matthew verse today. And uh, verse 5, it says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. And this is where he says the Lord's Prayer. And this is probably, uh, you probably have heard this before. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this is a really great teaching on prayer, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before. But this morning, I really want to break this down for you and talk about what what is really significant about it and uh, why Jesus prays these words. Why why use these words, Jesus? So uh, to do that, let's have a look at the context. It's always a good thing to do. So Jesus knew what prayer was like around that time. See, the Pharisees were like the, you know, kind of like what you would consider the church pastors of today, right? They were the, the guys that you'd kind of look to as an example. And, um, and so the Pharisees, what they would often do is when they would pray, they wouldn't pray with the intention of, uh, you know, really wanting God to, to be holy and, and to know God is hearing them and, and all of that. No, what they wanted to do was they were so focused on setting an example that it became like a competition, and so when they would pray, they'd try to put on this show for everyone that could hear to show how awesome and how holy and how you know, wonderful they are because they can pray so awesome. So Jesus, knowing that his disciples have grown up their whole entire lives with that example of prayer, he teaches them instead a different way to pray. So he knows that disciples would be uh, tempted to use big words. They'd be tempted to use as many words as possible, uh, to pray for as long as possible, and uh, also to pray with just as great passion as possible. You know, really deepen your voice when you pray. And uh, I'm sure that you've probably prayed like that before. Uh, But, you know, let's face it, that was what was endorsed at the time. So the, the disciples were probably thinking, you know, this is how we pray. But the more I think about it, you know, this, this might seem at first insane that the, the Pharisees would turn prayer into this big show. But the more I think about it, the more I thought, you know what, I've actually been tempted to do the same thing when I pray. And not necessarily when I'm alone, but in a prayer meeting or at church or whatever it is, uh, sometimes I can be tempted to, oh, you know, I really need to persuade all of the people to say amen at the end of my prayer. And I really need to get this prayer going, you know, really good. And, and, and the bigger words I use, the more likely God's going to go, oh, I haven't heard that one before. You know what? I'll grant your wishes. You know, that's, that's not what God's looking for in prayer. And so with that in mind, Jesus corrects two things. These two things are this. The first correction he brings is that prayer should be for God and it should not be for everyone around us. 
You know, at the time, uh, as I said, you know, prayer was kind of used as a status symbol. So the better the prayer, the better the person. Uh, just earlier on in this, this same chapter in Matthew, chapter 6, uh, he says, he's talking about giving Jesus. And he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you give to the poor. What he's saying is, don't even make such a big deal about it that you yourself think, oh, that was a good thing for me to do. No, instead, when we pray, we should, uh, sorry, when we give, we should be doing that just purely because God wants us to do that. Not because it makes us a better person, or makes us feel good about ourselves, or other people feel good about us. In fact, the whole chapter begins with this phrase. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. You know, how challenging is that? And so then he goes on to talk about giving and then he goes on to talk about prayer. And so the whole point that Jesus is driving home here is prayer is for you and God. Prayer is not for the benefit of, uh, you know, for yourself. It doesn't benefit you. It's not for your status symbol or to make you seem better or bigger or whatever it is. When you pray, make sure that you're praying to God. So that's the first correction Jesus brings. And uh, the second correction, before we get into my points this morning, is that uh, he brings the, the correction that prayer should be simple. You know, I just, just quickly I want to talk about a bit of history about the Jewish prayers. You see, it is, it is largely believed that Jesus actually didn't just come up with this prayer out of nowhere and just think it up. But he actually, it was an adaptation. It was his own kind of version of a really familiar Jewish prayer. And so that Jewish prayer was called the Kaddish. I'm almost certainly saying that wrong. And uh, that was prayed in the synagogue. So whenever you would go to the synagogue, uh, you would pray this Kaddish. And uh, that was a really familiar prayer to every single Jewish person. And so all of Jesus' disciples, when they're hearing him pray this prayer, they're probably thinking, oh boy, that sounds familiar. And that sounds really simple as well. And so the point that Jesus is making is, hey, your prayers don't need to be big and elaborate and say awesome words. Just say something as simple as the Kaddish. And he would he prayed that prayer as, as a bit of a a bit of a template for them. So with all of that in mind, you know these two corrections that Jesus is bringing to prayer, he then lays out this prayer. And so I want to just share these three things that uh, God revealed to me as I was reading this prayer, and I hope that they bless you this morning as well. So uh, starting from the top, it says, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." You know the first thing that prayer reveals to us is God as our Father. And the first thing that prayer brings to us is relationship. You know, prayer builds our relationship with God. Primarily, prayer was designed as a relationship with God. You know, Jesus starts his prayer with our Father. You know, I, I struggle to think of a relationship that I've ever had where I never spoke to the person. Consider a marriage for a moment. You know, Megan and I are married and we love that and we speak all the time. But imagine if we never spoke to each other. I mean, sure, technically we'd still be married, perhaps, but our marriage would be pretty dead, right? It would probably be better for us to be fighting a lot in our marriage than for us to never be speaking at all. It's the same when it comes to God. In fact, the Bible actually refers to us as the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27, it, it tells the husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy 
and without blemish. You know, this is the language of a bride being prepared for her groom. And so we are the bride of Christ. We are also the children of our Father. So don't get those metaphors mixed up. That'll get a bit weird. You know, let me put it this way. Without a prayer life, our relationship with God is dead. We might still be technically his children and we might still be technically the bride of Christ, but our relationship is dead if we don't have a prayer life. You know, I know that might be a little bit hard. Uh, It might be a little bit uh, strong to come on and I wouldn't say it if I didn't love you, church, but I also wouldn't say it if I hadn't been there myself. I know there's been times in my life where my relationship with God has just been dead. And so this three weeks of fasting is a really good opportunity for us to remind ourselves, how's my relationship with God? Am I praying? Am I speaking with him? So I believe that's the first thing that Jesus reveals to us with prayer is that God is Father and brings relationship. The second thing we, we read on, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you noticed that we still haven't got to the, this is my list of wants, Jesus. You know, the, the second thing that I believe prayer reveals is, is that God is king. And the second thing that prayer brings to us is a repositioning. You know, it can be really easy to become self-absorbed in our everyday life. I'm sure you can agree. I've got one word for you, Instagram. Or another word for you, selfie. Seriously, I mean, has there ever been an app more designed to feed the ego of people? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Instagram. I love scrolling through and seeing what everyone's up to, especially people that don't know I exist. Like, you know, the world's strongest man who just lifted 501 kilos this morning. That was pretty exciting. They got me pumped up for my sermon. But literally, I mean, this app, it just glorifies the taking a photo of your own face and putting it up for the world to see like it's the most important thing that someone's going to see that day. I mean, can we get something more self-absorbed than what we have today? You know, I looked up on the internet, uh, I looked up how self-absorbed is, the, is today's generation, and article after article after article just came back about how, uh, you know, this generation is more self-absorbed or more wrapped up in their self in their own world than any generation before. But I believe that when we pray, just like Jesus taught us to pray, it puts us in our rightful place underneath God. It sets God up as a king. You know, first we set God up as our Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But then we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. The very next thing that we pray is, God, whatever you want to happen, I pray that that would happen. And it repositions us underneath God. You know, I was thinking as I was talking about this, uh, about the genie in Aladdin, and how, you know, Aladdin stumbles across this genie and he gets three wishes. Whatever he wants, he can wish for three things. And uh, I was also thinking about uh, the, I don't know if you've seen the movie Bruce Almighty. I don't know if I should even be recommending that movie. But anyway, um, you may have seen the, the scene in that movie where, so basically Bruce is, uh, swaps jobs with God for a certain amount of time and uh, he's getting this list of prayers through. These millions of prayers are coming through. And uh, he doesn't know what to do with them because he doesn't have time to answer them all. And so he just decides, this is easy. I'll just say yes to every single person's prayer. And so he clicks the yes to all button or whatever. 
and everyone's prayers are answered. Whatever they are asking for, boom, they've got it. And on the news, there's this lady who's lost, I don't know, 50 or 100 pounds or whatever on her Krispy Kreme diet. And you know, that is not what prayer is actually about. Prayer is not an opportunity for us to get everything and anything that we ask for. It's not an opportunity for us to to be the boss. It's not like we take the reign of God and go, whatever I want, I'm going to claim that now. No, instead, prayer puts us in the rightful place beneath God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus gives such a great example of this. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's about to be crucified and he knows this. And his disciples haven't figured that out yet. And uh, in verse 39, he prays this, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, even in Jesus' darkest hour, right before he's crucified and and killed before and and just uh, shame brought upon him, before all of that, his prayer is, God, would you please help me here? But may your will be done, whatever you want. Not what I want, God, what you want. And so I think we can learn something great from Jesus' example here. You know, the first thing that God is our Father and and prayer brings a relationship with Him. The second thing that God is our King as well and that prayer can bring a reshuffling, a repositioning of where we sit in our lives. And here's the third thing. It says this, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, prayer reveals to us, the third thing is this, that God is provider. And it brings peace. You know, I really believe, don't get me wrong, that when we pray for things, that God loves to answer prayer. And I I can tell you stories about people that have been healed when they've been prayed for and cancers disappearing when they've been prayed for and uh, you know, people losing very valuable items and God showing them pictures as they prayed of exactly where they've lost it and they go and find it there. And I can tell you stories about how I've prayed for someone's knee who they weren't able to walk on their knee and a few seconds later they're walking around on their knee like there's no, there's no pain at all. You, know, God, you cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that God does not answer prayer and that God heals and that God brings what we need. Don't get me wrong. But I don't believe that that is the primary thing that Jesus was teaching when he taught about prayer. You know, I think that when we pray, we just need to pray for what we need and we don't need to try and convince God. God isn't sitting in heaven, in his throne room, listening to your prayer going, maybe just pray a little harder than that. Like I need to really see that you really want it, you know, or or he's not saying, oh yeah, but I've heard that, those words used before. Maybe try and mix it up a little bit and pray for something else. No, instead, what we're instructed to do is pray simply for what we need. Give us this day our daily daily bread. And what that does is I believe it provides an atmosphere of faith in the middle of a situation of hopelessness. Think about Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 where it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here's my big thought for this point here, is that the Bible doesn't say in Philippians, let your request be made known to God and wait for whatever you've requested to happen and then the peace of God will surpass your understanding. No, it doesn't say that. It says, make your request known to God and then when you've made your request, 
the peace of God will surpass all understanding. It is a promise from God that when we pray, we are reminded that God is our provider and it brings us peace. It brings us faith in the middle of a circumstance where we might not know how to believe or how to hope that God's seal can bring us hope when we pray. I was thinking about this and one of the big things I was thinking about is that prayer was not designed to change God. You know, there was never a moment where God was, was thinking, if, if only, uh, you know, such and such would pray, I would change my mind about what I'm going to do. No, instead, prayer changes us to be aligned with God. And I truly believe that. Faith leads us to a reliance on God. And sometimes we don't know when we're praying for something that we really truly believe that we need or something that is so important to us, sometimes God doesn't answer that prayer the way we'd like him to answer it. But I don't believe that's the point of our prayers. When we present what we need to our God, it brings us peace. So this morning, I just wanted to wrap up my message and um, just with a reminder to you, church, that do not forget during this fasting time and over the next week that we're not just giving up something, we are focusing on going deep. And over the next couple of terms, we're focusing on going deep. So as you're praying and fasting, why don't you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer this week? Maybe once, maybe every day, I don't know, whatever, whatever you feel like will suit you. But as you pray the Lord's Prayer, don't just rush through it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, why don't you labour on each of these points? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And just think about that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we begin to pray these things, I believe that God will change us. He'll bring us closer in relationship to him. He'll reveal himself as, as, as our father. He'll reveal himself as a king and he'll reveal himself as a provider. So over the next few weeks, or over the next week, as we begin to end this prayer and fasting, why don't we, instead of thinking about how we're going to end something, think about how we can launch something. How can my prayer life be changed forever as I begin to adapt new things over this next week? And remember, prayer isn't a show for others. It's not designed to impress anyone else, but it's a conversation with our God. So church, I hope that encourages you. And uh, I hope that you're feeling blessed by this word this morning. And I really hope that your prayer lives can be changed by just simply thinking about how Jesus taught it. Well, that will be the end of our service this morning. And uh, don't forget that church continues throughout the rest of the week, but our service is over. Thanks, church.